listening to www.infinitesmile.org. Enjoy these Zen-inspired talks given by Michael McAllister. Please enjoy this guest talk offered by David Fitzgerald, one of Infinite Smile Sangha's long-term practitioners. You're all so spread out. (laughs) The circle draws itself, and from within itself, it remembers me, and I remember you. And between me and you, a world is formed of time and place. This place has always been here, waiting, pregnant with this moment, pregnant with the next. This moment has always been here, pregnant with these words I speak, and pregnant with all that follow. So Michael tells me that the tradition is that the Chuso talk is about how did I get here? And I think that's kind of a weird thing. But, um, and I'm not even sure if it means like here <laughs> with you or in general or probably both. And um, I don't think there's any doubt that I am not worthy of imparting any kind of wisdom to any of you. And I don't know why my experiences would be of use to you. And I thought for a while that maybe this whole thing was one of these Zen tricks and that what you were supposed to realize, what I was supposed to realize is that there wasn't any answer except falling leaves blowing down the street or something. But I talked to Michael yesterday, and he assures me that I'm actually supposed to tell a story about this and that somehow we're all going to get something out of it. So the other thing about this is that I don't know how or why I'm here at this moment or how or why I am have reached maybe some point on a spiritual path or whatever. And all I can do is maybe pick some little threads out of my experience that contributed to whatever the situation is. So um, that's what I'm going to talk about. <coughs> And so for one thing, I'm, I'm here because I'm not somewhere else. There's a lot of people all around here and all across our country who are probably perfectly happy, well-off, and perhaps spiritual, um, good Americans, normal people, and I just sort of never fit into that. 
as a child, we didn't have religion in our family or any kind of spiritual thing, and there, there was just nothing about it. And uh, that was fine with me. I didn't miss anything like that. I was also a really geeky, awkward kid. And I think I never learned to follow the crowd, really, because nobody invited me to. And maybe I sort of marched to a different drummer, but it wasn't because I was being cool and independent, but I just didn't have any rhythm. But things got better. And uh, so I was in college during the notorious 60s, and all kinds of things were going on. And there was lots of talk about Eastern philosophy and religion. And I thought it was very cool and very attractive. And I did not understand it. But I sort of developed an interest in it. And I messed around, played with meditation a little bit. And I read books over the years. Um, D.T. Suzuki and Alan Watts and so on. And it wasn't an important part of my life for a long time. But it was a, it was a path that, that actually was sort of there, vaguely. And then many years later, opportunities came up to learn more about these things. And I was already on the path, even though it was barely there. And so I just, I just kept going. And it was a very natural thing to do. In the meantime, I was busy stumbling through a regular life, not very elegantly. I got married and had a couple of children and divorced and got my heart badly broken and lived a couple different places in the country. And then I came to the Bay Area and things really got better. It was a lot more receptive to less normal people, maybe. And I met my wonderful partner, Dee, and I got a much better kind of work. And in 1999, Dee and I were fortunate enough to be able to retire from working for a living and we are able to pursue more interesting things. And we were in our early 50s at the time, and that's a time a lot of people sort of re-examine their lives. And Dee felt there's something missing, and she sort of went out seeking. Met a lot of interesting people, did some interesting things, and that kind of reawakened my interest. And so things started coming up. And um, I ran into a two-year course in yoga-type meditation and learned a lot from that. And, I, and we uh, found a meditation group that was meeting at our church. We did that for a while. And then one night we went to a meeting of a group that she was connected to and... Michael McAllister is there doing this shtick about I'm the 
controller, I'm the seeker, and all this stuff. And uh, so we found out about this sangha, which became our sangha, and we've been with it ever since. And that's, that's why I'm here. Another thing is that probably 20 years ago, somebody turned me on to a book called The Artist Way, which I think is pretty well known. Um, and it's sort of a 12-step, 12-week program for people who were, were told in second grade that they would never be any good at drawing or some who are inhibited by the idea of doing artwork, which wasn't really my problem because it's the only thing I was ever, ever good at. But um, I went through that and I went through it again and I ended up leading a group through it. And I got a lot out of it. So one thing was the, the most fundamental exercise in the book is called Morning Pages. And in Morning Pages, you get up in the morning, you get out of bed, and you go to your desk, and you write three pages by hand of whatever you write. The contents are totally unimportant. And it asks you to sort of commit to doing this for the 12 weeks of the program. And I resisted that, but I thought, well, 12 weeks, you know, I can hack that. And so I did that for 12 weeks, and then I was hooked on it, and I did it for years, as a lot of people in the arts do, actually. And I did that until I started doing mindfulness kind of meditation for an hour every morning. And I just went right through from morning pages into, into Zen kind of sitting. And that's a big reason that I'm here now is because I put in a lot of time doing that. And I have, really have a well-established practice. And I sort of owe it to the artist's way, in a way. At the same time, with the artist's way, I found another path, which is the artist's way, the artist's path. And that's what she means by that. And it sort of took a long time, and it was just a vague feeling for quite a while. But again, but I began to see that you can go through art making to spirituality. And that's a big part of my life now. So when we retired, where Dee went seeking spiritual guidance, I started taking painting classes at uh, Diablo Valley College. And uh, that has been a wonderful experience, and I learned a tremendous amount and have become a pretty good painter. But I also met a whole lot of great friends, and we have a support network, which is essential. And um, I'm just so glad that I did it because it changed my life. And as I've gone along with that, this understanding of the 
how art making and spirit can work together has has grown tremendously and now i feel like these what you could consider two paths of meditation and, and art making are intertwined and they're supporting each other and supporting me one of the aspects of that is that so many of the obstacles that everybody runs into trying to learn to meditate and try to sustain a meditation practice how do I get myself to sit down every day and do it how do I face these uncertainties and fears and ideas that I'm doing it wrong and I'll never get it right and I'll never keep going and all that is all the same stuff that you encounter in trying to get yourself to show up at your easel and paint and face the fear that I will never be a good painter and I don't know what I'm doing and I'm a fraud and a phony and and nobody will ever like my work and I'm going to expose myself and just be hurt all of the same kind of things and 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 more and so what's happened for me at least is that in learning to cope with these obstacles in meditation I'm learning to cope with them in art making and when I learn to cope with them in art making I'm better able to cope with them in meditation. So it's all supporting each other for me. And I think that's an important reason that I'm here. And going on going beyond just sort of doing these things doing meditation doing art if you're an artist and mostly most of the time for most people who claim to be an artist it's it's pretty pathetic you don't you put in a lot of time and you put in a lot of effort and you put in a lot of money and you get very little not only recognition but you know people don't even take you seriously a lot of the time but you keep doing it which is why a support group <laughs> is very important and you have to recognize deeply that what you're trying to do what you hope to do which is to actually touch people is probably not quite impossible but pretty close and if you want to have any chance of touching even a few people and firing their mind then you have to be fire and if you want to touch their heart you have to be love 
And if you want to touch their their guts and their crotch, you have to be passion. And that's a very hard, very hard thing to do. And I think that's something that the overlap of the meditation and 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 art and feeling finding a way between them to be fearless and to play myself open to open and let go of so much so that other things can come through I hope that's where I am and how I got there. And so all of this is kind of true of about why, I, why I'm here, how I got here, whatever the question was. And of course, at the same time, it's not. It's, it's a scrap of even even a simple story. And I'm here because I met Michael and he's helped me a lot. And I'm here because today, because Michael's here. And Michael's here because you're here. And his, all his story, like I just told, is intertwined with yours and mine is intertwined with yours. And it all devolves into a meaningless question in a way, but we, it's all this mystery that underlies everything. And I certainly can't say I understand that at all, but once in a while I think I glimpse it for a brief moment. And I think that's what I'm my ambition is to work toward is to see that more clearly. And that's what I'm sort of dedicating this little talk to. The circle draws itself and from within itself. It remembers me and I remember you. And between me and you, a world is formed of time and place. I understand there are to be questions. Or what, what motivated you to go look 
it was D more than me what was missing in my life was probably concentration on art but it's um, nothing dramatic or uncommon um, when you've sort of gone through your working years and your child rearing years and your kids are out of the house and you've had a lot of concentration on that kind of thing and you look back and say, well, what what didn't I get to do that was important to me? And um, I'm not sure you could ask Dee actually later if you wanted to. Um, she seemed to have, um, she didn't have much of a spiritual side at that time, I think. And I, I suspect that's sort of what she sensed was something missing uh, from her life. Um, something that would open up her horizons. And, um, and so she was sort of initially more interested in that than I was and sort of led me into it. I wanted to say, and I sort of didn't get it in, how important it's been to whatever development I've had that, um, that I've had this really wonderful friend and companion. And we don't always do the same things or have exactly the same interests, but we've always been able to support each other and help each other along the way and remind each other to go meditate. <laughs> Did that answer your question at all? Michael said I could uh, say I don't know. Honesty and art, I think I could address that. Although it's like everything in art, it's very nebulous. But it's easy when you're trying to, it's easy to try to please people too much. And it's easy to try to shield yourself from people knowing who you really are. Some people, whether they're artists or not, don't want people to know how complex they are or that they have a dark side, for instance. And they certainly don't want to expose that through their art. So they want to be seen as bright and happy all the time kind of people. And sometimes that works. But sometimes you see the defects in their art because of that. And sometimes you just you see, especially if you're a, a fellow artist and are around them, Sometimes you see the really unfortunate struggles they're going through to try to fight who they really are. 
and um, you know, art only recently has become something that's something about personal expression, but that's it's an important part of it now. And if you're around people who are doing that, you see this all the time. People fighting themselves over it. And you see a lot of people who really want to do some kind of work and really have something to express, but they're afraid to do it because it's not going to be popular. So I say those are things. Honesty is expressing your own truth through your art. Honesty is not hiding yourself within your art. Is that helpful? Honesty and Dharma. I have no idea what that means. Could you explain it? What the question is? Because I'm taking the Dharma to be... So I'm taking the Dharma to be the teaching. And when I'm talking about interweaving meditation and and, and on an art practice, I'm not really thinking much of the Dharma. Of the, of the teaching itself. I'm t- thinking more of the mechanics or the everyday experience. The basic basics of the Dharma certainly apply in that you have to be able to see beyond your limitations to be a good artist. You have to let go of a lot of illusions which you tend to carry around. You've got to let go of a lot of baggage. And to some extent at least free yourself in order to have the energy to create with so was that an answer? Mm-hmm. What was the third thing? Well, honesty beyond my... <laughs> mm. <laughs> Sorry. How long did you work on this question? <laughs> no, it came out and I was really curious what you would say. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. Don't apologize for your art. <laughs> I don't know. Nothing's occurring to me about that. That's the answer. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. David, it was brilliant. Thank you for sharing. I really enjoyed your honesty and openness there. How do you... Give me the your definition, because I'm sure it would vary, but how do you define art? What is art to you? What does that mean?
Well, art it seems to be a um, a natural behavior of people that can be recognized because it's essentially not practical. It's not solving or contributing to the essentials of day-to-day -day life. It's of course has um, a, a great history of being uh, related to the spiritual aspects of life which go beyond this world in a way if you want to call it that um, of being ways to to talk about what's spiritual by showing it in a symbolic way usually. So if you think of cave paintings, we assume are some kind of a spiritual expression and illustration. Um, it's also been used to, uh, you know, illustrate scriptural stories and so on. But it's not anything that's you're, you're eating or wearing or sheltering under or anything like that. And when, and, and this is the kind of definition that's changed over time, but currently, um, if something can be put to use, it's getting over into what you call craft instead of art. And so since I'm contemporary, I kind of accept that basically. Some art certainly does spill over, but um, but the essence of it has to be for the sake of spirituality, for the sake of beauty, for the sake of emotion, um, some something to that effect, and not being just of everyday utility. Uh, and that's how I would recognize it. Does that? Part about the craft. That was a nice lineage. Thank you. I'm wondering when you're doing your, your, your art, expressing your art, and and then you and then you have someone viewing it and they make connection with your art. Yeah, you know that you've communicated with that, so you have a sort of a rapport now developed. Someone looks at your art and you can see it in their eyes and seeing the way they respond, that they're, they're, they're getting it. And then what, what inspiration comes out of, you know, when they get what you're starting to say, that, that it's, now you have more energy between you know, somebody accepting your transmission and then and you're getting a transmission about their acceptance of your art. Talking about that, you know, like you're doing the showing, and then you're having people appreciate your work, and you know that you've got a gathering of people that you're you have a rapport with. Okay, I'm not quite clear what the question is. The connection between people, and you're doing your art. You, uh, when when you do your art, does it, does it bring this intertwining of people together to, to 
that you, that otherwise, if you didn't do your art, you would it wouldn't be expressed. So you're asking how, how that affects other people, your reaction to it, and when you're doing a painting, is it? Uh, or do you, are you thinking other people seeing it as you're doing? Or, uh, oh, hmm. Well, yeah, to some extent, um, be having some training in art um, and doing lots of um, talking about my art and my friend's art with each other. Um, that's all about the reaction that, it's understanding the reaction that other people get. And the kind of painting I do, um, which is abstract, but has sort of three-dimensional forms in it, and it depends on sort of recognizing forms as being something and maybe suggesting something but it's not clear and so on and it has a lot to do with how your eye moves through this painting and so it's um, I look at and paint toward something that I think works within what I think working is within my criteria. Um, but it's hard to know how other people see it because um, sometimes their eye goes to this place that my eye is going to and they kind of get a feeling that I get. And other times they're seeing something entirely, they're focused on something or they're stopped on something that that's not happening for me. So it's important for me to come to understand that. But that's kind of a work-a-day thing, um, long-term. And I want people to see different things, and, I, and I, I hope that they will like what they see, of course. Um, sometimes, uh, I don't know if it's rare, but uh, sometimes people really get excited about it. And um, they may or may not be seeing what I see at all. <laughs> but, but they get excited about it. And, um, and I love that, of course. At the same time, I always feel a little weird about it, too. Um, I want them to want to like it. I mean, you know, the child in me is saying, oh, yes, I need this, I need this. Give it to me. And when somebody actually compliments me on it a lot, which once, once in a while that happens, um, I sort of shrink back and say, oh, man. <laughs> but maybe they don't even understand it. <laughs> not that there's much to understand. So I, I'm not sure if this is answering what your question was, but that's kind of some of what how that works for me. Is that? Yes. Painting as a vehicle, bringing people together, and, and, and having this, this 
the interaction of people seeing the vibration of what you're putting out. Yeah, I don't, and I'm not sure if if I understand what you're what you're saying. I'm not sure that what I'm doing that my concern is bringing people together at all. I I'm never thought of that. It's um, I'm hoping to um, excite and delight and reach somebody. But not as a group so much, or in, and not as an interaction between those people. Although I suppose that might happen, and sometimes does. But uh, not what I'm thinking about exactly. Uh-oh. I'm curious. What is mine? <laughs> I was going to mention this to you anyway. Dee is reading us, and, and I just sort of read the first few pages of a book called uh, Incognito, a recent book by somebody who's a, a scientist and studies the, the brain, basically. David Eagleman. Hmm? And it talks about the relationship to mind or ego to actual brain function and everything that's going on everything that's going on and everything that's going on a vast complex world web of things going on in your brain and and your ego is like this little thing up here going oh yeah that's me doing that So I guess that's what mind is. Mind is, uh, mind is in a way, is um, a useful illusion. It's a way that human beings are able to mm, make sense of the world and create the world because the world we're talking about all the time is... Something that we're all mind to mind agreeing that it is. We're 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 making that interpretation. But it doesn't exist in any material form, apparently. But I don't know what we'd do without it. Explored subject actually. Uh, the um, what's 
be, I think that what's behind what drives most people to um, put in time and money and effort to create art is definitely um, their ego and that they're looking to get their ego stroked. Um, they're looking for validation. In thinking about this talk, um, I was thinking about my childhood, and I, as I say, I was very like terminally shy and um, didn't get a lot of attention. And I thought, huh, is that why I'm making the kind of art I am now? Mm -hmm. I don't know. So you make really loud. Getting art loud art. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I try to make it loud. Uh -huh. um, well, I try to tone it down some, but yeah, I mean... I'm, I've sometimes, you know, like in the class, and brought in a painting and put it, hung it on the wall, um, hoping that when people come into that room, they cannot, cannot help but see that. It's not, not quiet, that it's compelling. Um, but I assume that, that that's what, what's motivating people to, to do that. Um, a lot of people do little artsy things and doodling or, or, or maybe um, fairly elaborate things um, without thinking about showing it to anybody, I think. I mean, I, it's a meditative quality. maybe it's a meditative quality or they just, it's relaxing, mm -hmm. you know, so people do that. I, I do that. Um, but, but where I'm putting in the effort, then I'm definitely hoping somehow against hope, largely, that I'm going to get something back from it. Um, emotionally, it would be nice to get it back financially, although certainly haven't reached that yet. But um, and what was the other part of the question? I forgot, but I think you addressed you know whether it's right or not, or you just notice it. Is it okay? Is it the Dharma to try to keep that in check? Your ego in check that wants to be stroked and. Oh, yeah, and that's a good question. Um, I sort of talked to Dee about that earlier before. Um, you have to balance that because if you let in, there are real successful artists who are total egomaniacs, of course. But you sort of have to be successful in order to do that because most people, you have to be ego-driven, but if you're too ego-driven, you're going to fail because you're not going to get enough validation or reward to support all that ego. You understand what I'm saying? And in order, in order to make art, I think, in order to make art sincerely, consistently over a period of time when you're not 
having people knocking at your door. You have to, you have to have ego to keep you going, and you have to have humility to keep you going. And so somehow those things have to balance. And I see them balance all the time, but I don't know how to explain how it works. Um, I think that just comes with the territory. It appears to me from watching your process and watching your paintings and you that You get a, a, a lot from the process. And I've often thought that you would do this no matter what. That it was the act of creating your paintings was so much part of who you are that if nobody ever saw them, this is what you would do. And, and It's tempting to say that. Uh, I don't know. I, I think I have to go back to what I said to Joanne there, though. But, um, it's too much sweating blood to do it if nobody's ever going to see it. I really need people to see it, even if it's not a lot of people. And although the process is really um, an important part of my life, and that's that's what it's about to me, that, that, uh, doing it, going through that process, um, which is, um, I wouldn't say meditational, but it's something like that. Yeah, it's outside of my ordinary state of mind. And, um, and that, that is very important to me. And maybe I would, if, if somehow I was someplace and there were no people at all. But, um, but under the circumstances that, that we live in, I want people to see it. And uh, I'm not sure how well I could maintain my motivation if people didn't see it. So that wrap it up. Thank you for being here.